haven't did a podcast in a long time. It's been some days. And I've been thinking about all of the things that I've tried so far, and they haven't worked. I wouldn't say they work. They have put me in this place where uh, I moved the needle in art. I moved the needle in dance. I moved the needle in uh, my spirituality and my development. I moved the needle in my writing. I didn't stop. I even put on the hat of doing some acting and putting together some plays. And every time I find myself trying to do my will over where God wants me. Like, in the middle of the clap is in the moment of now. And when I'm not in the middle of that clap, I'm on the outside and I'm, I'm grabbing at all of these things to, to write a book, to do a play, to paint the perfect painting, um, to write the perfect poem, or make the perfect song or music or being that perfect dance you know and I know perfection for me is something I strive towards so I continue to do this thing as an uh, as an artist right there was a point in my life as an artist that I wanted to reconstruct my face because I had nothing else to grab hold of and when I think about my past right Maybe if I talk about it or put it out there, that'll take me to the next level in my life. And the thing that is so, so, so daunting is like, you want to be noticed. You want to be recognized for your work. You want someone to find you and you want it to be out there. And I realized that celebrity status or being that person that everyone gets to know is it's a price to pay. And I used to think it was something wrong with me because I didn't want to pay that price. And that price is paying the price of who I am. Compromising every aspect of my life to write that book so you can hear the book or to make that painting so you can see it or to have that song so you can hear it or to write that play so you can see my life. And there's some compromise in there. And I often thought like whenever I stopped It was because I couldn't make it or people didn't see me or I missed the mark or I went in the right place at the right time. And the reality is I'm not willing to compromise just to be known or to be put out there. Now, doing this podcast, I don't care who listens or who sees it or who hears it or who whatever. I find it rather comforting just to have a conversation about my truth and be very transparent, you know, about writing, 
a book or telling you guys my life, you know. Sometimes those um, moments of setback or those um, those moments where things happen, I want to use them as platforms. That's not what it's about. I realize being my true authentic self and being transparent with you, I don't need to compromise. I can stop and I can start. I can be satisfied when I look around my home and I see hundreds of paintings that I did. One day someone will see them. There's no matter to me. If they see them or not, I enjoy doing them. They brought me some freedom from my past, you know, and I've talked about my past in my podcast. You know, and it wasn't glamorous. It wasn't beautiful. My past was painful in many different ways. The struggle was really hard. (laughs) It was so real. And today, I, I still carry some of that shame, some of that guilt, some of that hate. I, I learned the word resentment and carrying it over into my adult years. You know, I'll get back on track to telling you more about my life and what it's like to be someone um, sober. Walking into a room at 18 years old and believing in your heart that you never have to experience another drink or drug entering your system to alter your mind to feel a part of the world. I never thought that would happen. I never thought that I can get out of that place where I was. And that place of seeding, toxic, scary sometimes I've seen a lot of people die walking into those rooms at 18 years old and knowing that my life would change and I will have opportunities that no one in in my family ever had. There's a lot of cool things, you know, that happened that I have um, come to enjoy, to fall in love with. However, the most extraordinary thing for me was to experience relationships with people and then not have to give myself. Because I remember being in those streets and I had to give 
my physical self. I have to really compromise to get places. But coming in the rooms at 18 years old and not having to do that and finding this, this level of spirituality and in this world, you know, I walked in not knowing how to really read and write. And I started writing poetry. And the stories that poured out of me. And by the time I was 22 years old, no, 20 years old, I was burying my mother. And that was one of those moments where I was devastated and relieved. I remember sitting in the courtroom at a trial and I felt the sense of relief because I was shameful of her. I was scared what will happen to her. And when I realized she was gone, there was something so deeply saddened in me that there was something so relief. It was like this relief as well. So I really don't know like how to really tell you that it hurt, but it was satisfying and not feel guilty because a lot of people wouldn't understand they wouldn't understand but I do today today I do today I realized it was a gift for me to be able to express myself in many ways just take the time out thank you for listening and I'll see you again May 12th, 2008. The fire alarm goes off in the building. There's about 25 of us in the office. And there's the accounting department. We all exit the building, standing outside, waiting. I noticed there was chatter around me and I looked to my right and there he was bright smile fair skin dressed like someone working in finance he had this shine on his face from sweat we all stood out there waiting as the fire department rushed in the building. The thought that came to my mind, I left my bag and I wanted my things. Started to talk to a couple colleagues, just shooting the shit, random stuff, store information, what's going on in stores, what am I doing, how am I? This was clearly not even a month after my my, my father had passed. So I had been off work probably, you know, two weeks. Who knows? 
and a lot of people hadn't seen me. So standing around talking about those things, somehow I felt someone staring and you feel this energy, sun is beaming. People are talking about going to do things until we can go back upstairs. And I heard someone say, well, I'm gonna go get my pedicure and a manicure. So I'll go with you, is what I screamed out. And there he was. So we waited, people continued to talk. Finally, they let us go back into the building. And I grabbed my things, because now I can go home. My bag, loaded my laptop, grabbed my car keys. And I had planned to meet him downstairs so we can go get our manicure and pedicure. As we did, we sat there, we talked. We talked for some time. I didn't think too much of it. We left there, we got food. And that was it. Exchange numbers. There it is, phone call. Wanna get together, yes. We met at Irving Park by the tennis court. We parked, walked to the water, looking out at the lake. I remember him smiling, saying all kind of cool stuff. I never knew where it was going. I lay back on the rocks. What I really wanted to do is lay back and put my head in his lap and for him to kiss my lips. But that was just a thought. As it starts to get dark, me, <laughs> I can feel the cold of the water in the air and I want to go. So we decide to drive back to my house. We park, we come upstairs. My nice little coffee table, my red wall. And my sofa, cream color, beautiful blonde wood floors. And we walk in, we take off our shoes, sit on the sofa. And the words came from his mouth. I wanted you to lay your head in my lap and I wanted to kiss you and I smiled then he looked at me as we sat on the sofa 
staring at the red wall with all the lights on. Said you have almond-shaped eyes. I smiled. Then we kissed. Steep, passionate, long, and breathtaking. That night, I knew I wanted him. I did not care if I was to die that night. Neither did he. We were both heartbroken. We talked about it in the car. How his wife has accused him and how he wanted to get away from her. How my daughter's mom, they had just moved out a year ago. And I was here alone. I wanted to be loved. So that kiss was the kiss that I have been longing for for years. Two broken people spewing passion. Tonight, guys, later. He wanted more, and I wanted to give him more. Clothes came off, things happened. Exploring my body as I explored his. Exciting I was, as he Things moved really fast. I could hear him say, I'm coming. And he left. I crawled into my bed and I slept. I thought that I would never see him again. came back and we hung out again. We went to a diner, a vegan diner it was, introducing him to different kinds of foods. He loved sushi, but this just wasn't a sushi day. I remember parking my car and being in the car with him. And as he dropped me off, the words came from his mouth, I love you. I've only known you a couple of days, but okay, I say.
Okay. I was riding with one of my friends one day and I got a strange phone call. It was his wife. She started to question me. What's going on with you and my husband? Does he hang out with you? I could remember hearing the sadness and the hurt in her voice. And I, of course, lied. He's just a friend. We, you know, hang out. I sit. We get tea together. Sometimes we go to eat. Just a work friend. She didn't believe me. She knew there was more. And I tried to be kind. And I was lying to her. She knew it. She knew it. I can hear her voice cracking. As I walked across the street with my friend back to my house, and I explained to her, he's a work friend. We hang out, we drink tea, we talk about life, we talk about things. No, we didn't. The reality was, we hung out already. We did things that grown men would do when they were in love. So I thought, I couldn't tell her that. She was already hurting. The day came that he came over with her laundry his laundry. He told her he was going out to do laundry and he brought it all to my house. And he did their laundry here so that we can hang out. I was greedy. It was sneaky and it was wrong, but I loved it because I got to be with him. I was here fairly late. He finally went home. <laughs> it was fascinating to know that he would take the train from the south side of Chicago to come be with me. I remember he stayed out all night one time. He took my car to go home to change, get dressed, so we can hang out. Yeah, I remember him telling me when he got in the shower, she got the keys to my car and she went out there and went through my car. She found photos of a baby in the trunk, which is my daughter. She found my name, my address. Called again. She told me, You have a beautiful daughter. I said, Thank you. 
by this time I knew because I had a camera in my car as well. So she went through the camera, watched videos. It was not long before they separated. And everything he owned was here. My daughter, mom, had rang the bell one day while we were here laying on the sofa. Devastated for whatever was going on in her life. And I wouldn't let her up. I remember us fighting downstairs while he sat up here waiting for me to come back. All I wanted was her to go away so I can go back upstairs and be with him. Hmm. She finally left. Came back upstairs. And he spent the night with me. And we explored each other in ways I never thought I would with a man. I loved him deeply. didn't stop there. We started to hang out. We started to do things together. We worked for a company. So powerful. Within months, he was living here. Everything he owned was here. I remember driving back to his house with him one day. Because he wanted me to stay with him. Because she had moved out. I don't want to forget the time we went to the gym. And how excited he was to be with me. in the car, we did those things. We explored each other. I wanted him to keep coming back. And he stayed. I wanted to show everyone who he was. It's beautiful. If I was walking anywhere, he would pull up, pick me up. He had mannerisms. I guess it was because he was with a woman for so long. And the way he treated her, he felt like he had to treat me that way. But I'm another guy. So some of the things he wanted to do, I didn't want to do them. 
had to remind them many times from men as well. We started to share things. The one thing that we shared was zodiac signs. I'm 12, 6, he's 12, 12. Sagittarius. Same mannerisms. We would lie. We will cheat. And we will fall in love in one day. We'll fall out of love the moment you cross us. Those days came for both of us. But the days we laid in that bed, the days we slept close together, the nights he held me all night and I would hold him. I remember the day I let it all go and I was willing to love a man. We talked the plans of children. We would go out and we bought bikes so we can hang out and ride together. We went to the grocery store together, right? I would twist his hair, he would twist my hair. We would play, we would wrestle. We would go to dinner parties together. Hang out with my friends. My friends became his friends. He had never experienced the world. So I introduced him to a world that he had desired for so long. Men, gay men, fashion, beauty, conversation, powerful, business, and he loved it. It made him feel good. It didn't take long for us to fall at the fate. Because the day came that I called his phone and he never answered. That he took trips to Atlanta during the day and came back at night to be with me. that he would go for weekends and I would lay here wondering where was he and why wouldn't he call me back? The same lies he told his wife, he told me. I watched him on my sofa balled up in a nap crying because he was sad 
he was hurt and I nurtured him back. And his trips to Atlanta got frequent. And the love for me diminished. I remember one trip coming back. Um, I waited, didn't put his stuff out. And I knew, I knew that he had found someone else. And I laid in this bed and I cried. I called his number and he wouldn't answer. He looked at me with this disgrace and told me that he's allergic to me. I didn't know what to do. I had no clue what to do. I lost my mind. The day he came home, he had a ring on his finger. It was on his left hand. Yeah, I went again to Atlanta for one day. Because the person he now loved was the person he met in Atlanta on a trip with friends. And I remember being on the phone with him and him talking to me from the hotel room. And then it went silent. I didn't hear from him no more. And the guys that he went there with, they knew. They welcomed him. He was scared. So after hours had passed, he called me. I need to come home. So instantly, I book him a flight and he's back here in Chicago, pretending that he loved me and that we were good. And I'm blind. I'm in it 100%. Something happened. Whatever happened that night, he loved it. And it made him feel good. And he wanted more. And that's when it started. A year later, April 2009, it all started. My heart hurt. 
had never been so sad, so broken. I couldn't work. I couldn't stop calling. Twelve knew. And as the days went on, I did everything in my power to win him back. I lied. I lied. I lied. And I lied over and over. Yeah, I lost it. And I also lost my damn mind because I lost my job. I lost the custody of my daughter. Yeah. Love. I remember standing in my kitchen and one of my friends came over and I remember breaking down right there in the the corner of the cabinets and she could not understand how I can be that broken. I lost 20 pounds, I was about 130 pounds. I remember standing at a a party with him and a friend of his, and a woman said to me, who hurt your heart that much that you can lose that much weight? And I remember that the memories of listening to Rihanna's song and the words take a bow, he would bow his head, subliminal message to me, he was done, the nights I laid in my house, and he would stay around the corner at his friend's house, just so that he, I knew he was done with me. I remember the time I was sitting on my sofa and my daughter was here with me. He was leaving out and he said to her, bye, Naya. And she said, you're not going to say bye to my daddy? (laughs) My child saw how sad I was. And I let him come and go as he pleased. And all I had to do was pack his shit and put it outside the door and lock it. Change the locks. But I let him go to Atlanta. Come back. And then one day I was, are you seeing this person? We stood there, no. 
No, I'm not. And in my gut, I knew he was. He was lying to me. And one day, he finally said yes. And that's when he started to sleep on my sofa. And talk on the phone. And I remember telling him, you can't talk on the phone to that person in my house. So you need to leave out to do that. And I thought I was, you know, getting my power back. But I was so broken and so deceitful in that moment. All I had to do was pack his shit and put him out. And I wouldn't do it. Blinded. Fearful. That's what it was. I was blind and fearful. So, it went on and on and on. Him leaving Chicago, flying back to Chicago, me taking him to the train station so he can go and be with the person in Atlanta and then come back to me. That went on for about six months. Pay for a trip for us to go to to DC. <laughs> no, what was I thinking? Because the whole time he didn't want to go with me, and he was on the phone talking to the person he was in love with, Alana. And I'm trying to win back. I'm trying to do this because I wanted to be loved. I want you to see me. He wanted out. And I wouldn't let him. So it got real ugly. That trip to D.C. was crazy. We went to the circuit circle. Bought ring. I had a Tiffany ring of mine, and I had another ring, and I bought that, bought books. Went back to the hotel. Didn't want to sleep next to me. Didn't want nothing to do with me. Because he didn't want to cheat on the person that he was in love with. Crazy. So again, the next crazy thing I do, I rent a car and we drive to New York City. And the whole time we're shopping and he's on the phone. We get our hotel room. Crazy. We go out to the nightclub. And there he was, London. Tall, dark, beautiful. And he meets London. I'll stop right there.